So uh, we are at the tail end, the final week of our holiday survival guide. It is practical skills from the book of Proverbs. And if you know your Bible, Proverbs sits right in the middle of your Bible. There's that Psalms, Proverbs zone right in the middle. Psalms is a book of songs, and then Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And that book of wisdom is filled with hundreds and hundreds of just little nuggets of goodness that we can put to work in our daily lives. And so we thought, hey, listen, holiday seasons are, are coming. Uh, families can get complicated. Life can get, compl get, can get complicated. So let's look at the book of Proverbs, mine it for little treasures of wisdom that we can use during the holidays. And we are one holiday dinner through the holiday season. Thanksgiving. So far, I've heard from dozens of people that Thanksgiving dinner went pretty well for them, including in my own household. And in my own household, it's a little complicated. I've detailed that. And every holiday dinner, it's like, okay, are we going to be good? And I'm happy to uh, report that we were good <laughs> for Thanksgiving dinner. And in no small part, because I think a lot of us were putting to work some of these little treasures from the book of Proverbs. So here's where we've been. Tool one, three weeks ago, uh, Pastor Steve talked about making a plan to thrive during the holiday season. And he had a lot of good practical decisions that we can make, not to just survive, but thrive through the holidays. Two weeks ago, Pastor Carissa talked about what to do during the holidays when tensions rise. And uh, through Proverbs, we learn, and the teaching of Jesus, we learn to give each other a break, perhaps, extend forgiveness and kindness, give people a chance for a do-over, right? Those kind of things to make a big difference. Last week, we talked about lowering our expectations. Uh, it is not real healthy to have our expectations of the holidays real high, because if they don't meet those expectations, we can be pretty disappointed. We also don't want to be grumpy people and expect everything to be terrible. So we want to kind of live life right here. Take life as it comes, embrace life as it comes, and do our best along the way. And all of these things come from the book of Proverbs, and the introduction of Proverbs tells us just what a treasure that book of wisdom really is. Let the wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. And I thought, well, that's a really good sort of goal in life, right? to become even wiser. Now, only wise people would have the goal of becoming wiser. And so, because we're here, embracing the book of Proverbs, we're learning together to become wiser people as we live our lives. So today, we're gonna talk about the fourth tool to uh, thrive during the holidays from the book of Proverbs, and it is this, to treasure every moment. To treasure every moment. Here's the proverb, Proverb 27.1 says this, don't shine a light on tomorrow since you don't know what the day will bring. Very simple, very short. Don't shine a light on tomorrow, you don't know what the day will bring. In other words, don't focus on tomorrow. Focus on right now. That Hebrew word focus can mean a lot of different things, but it seems to indicate don't focus on what's not here right now. Don't focus on some unknown future. Don't focus on the past that you cannot change. Shine the light of your life and your attention right here and right now. And it could very well be that when Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, he might have had this proverb in mind when he said this, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Now, there's a lot of trouble during the time of Jesus, right? The Romans had invaded, the Romans had conquered, the Romans were keeping them in perpetual poverty. I mean, they were, they were a mess and they were worried about what is to come. And Jesus says, hey, listen, don't shine a light on tomorrow. Right here and right now. Live right here and right now. Don't live in tomorrow. 
Don't live in tomorrow. I've quoted Mark Twain a couple of times before. It's my favorite quote, I think, outside of God's word. Mark Twain said this, I have been through some terrible things in life and a few have actually happened. What does that mean? We go through some terrible things in our mind when we're worried about tomorrow, when we're shining a light on tomorrow, all the things that could happen tomorrow, all the anxieties that we kind of conjure up here, that likely will not happen. But we live in the anxiety and sometimes we live in the trauma of living in tomorrow and then we don't enjoy today. We don't enjoy today. Don't live in tomorrow. 1 Peter 5, 7 says this. It's one of the most famous passages in the Bible. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Very simple, right? God is giving us this invitation. He says, listen, I am your heavenly father. I care very deeply for you. I'm not some distant judge, you know, kind of harassing you whenever you do something wrong. God says, that's not what I'm about. I'm a father. I'm with you and I care for you. I don't see the bad. I only see the good. Jesus proved that by how he lived his life. Jesus proved that by loving us to the very end. God says, I'm here and I care. So if you're, if you're weighed down with anxiety, if you're weighed down with anxious, anxious thoughts about tomorrow, cast them on me. Let me know what you're going through. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know your anxieties. And there's something very therapeutic about just recognizing that God is here, recognizing that God is with us, recognizing that God cares for us, and then just simply letting him know what we're going through. There's something very therapeutic and calming about that. Don't live in tomorrow. And, and when you're worried about tomorrow and you're living in the anxiety of tomorrow, I might recommend a lot of self-talk. The human brain is amazing. We have some of the most amazing conversations all with ourselves. I mean, I truly, I was golfing the other day by myself, which I do every once in a while to just kind of disconnect. I know it looks very sad, this lonely person, but I caught myself talking to myself out loud. And I'm thinking the people who live on this golf course must look at the crazy person, you know, who's on the golf course talking to himself. But I have the most amazing conversations with myself. So if you find yourself living in tomorrow, if you find yourself anxious about tomorrow, talk to yourself, and it might go something like this. Hey, buddy, or hey, ma'am, I don't know. Why worry about tomorrow? You're wasting energy. You're wasting time. You're probably a little grumpy because you're worried about tomorrow. I'm not enjoying now because I'm living in some made up future. God, you're with me now. You'll be with me then. Calm my heart and help me enjoy this moment. And you see how that self-talk can kind of get you out of living in tomorrow and get you more present today? I'm telling you, self-talk does wonders. Do not live in tomorrow, but then also don't live in the past. Don't live in the past. The past is gone, it is over, it is done, you cannot change it, so what's the point of dwelling on it, right? I'm gonna take a verse massively out of context, so I'm allowed to do that as long as I disclose it. There's a verse in the Old Testament that is talking to the nation of Israel that is just completely decimated by war. And the prophet is giving them hope for a better future by saying don't live in the past, right? And I think that applies to us in some way. If we've gone through some things in the past, we could tend to live in the past, whether it's regrets of the past or hurts of the past, and God is saying, hey, listen, I understand what you've gone through. I was there when you went through it. I was there when you failed, and I was there when other people failed you. That's the past. Put your focus on what's happening now. Listen to Isaiah 43, 18. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. 
Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So a lot of times when we live in the past, we're focusing on either the regrets of the past, mistakes that we have made, or hurts of the past, how other people have hurt us, and we're living in this mental wasteland, living in the past that we can't possibly change. Now listen, if some things have happened in the past that you've got to deal with, mistakes you've made that you need to apologize for, by all means, do that in the present. If other people have hurt you or even abused you in the past, there might be some things that you need to work through with a trusted friend or a mentor or a counselor or a therapist, for sure. The past does matter, but don't live in the past. And then what does God say here? Notice what I'm doing in the present. I'm doing something beautiful right now. New things are springing up. Notice what I'm doing right here and right now. It's amazing. And this is where self-talk can help as well. So if you're living in the past, regressive mistakes you have made or how other people have hurt you, you might want to say things like this. What are you gonna do about it? It's over, it's done. If there was anything that needed an apology or anything that could have been done to make things right, do it. But it's time to move on. It's time to move on. And really isn't that what the gospel, the good news is all about, right? That, that there's this God that loves us so much that he has forgotten everything in the past. He's forgotten everything that we have done wrong. He only sees the good and he's with us right now and he wants us to enjoy his love and his grace through Jesus and he wants us to thrive right here and right now, not living in tomorrow, that's just a fantasy in our own minds, not living in the past that we can't change or do anything about, but live in the now. Live in the now. So in order to live in the now, I think we've got to do a few things. We've got to do a few things kind of mentally to get our heads around, well, what is now? In order to understand what now is, we have to understand the nature of time. So we're gonna get a little bit geeky to start. Then we're gonna get kind of practical right there in the middle, some things we can actually you know, do to sort of slow down our lives and live in the now. And then we're gonna end with something uh, really weird. So we're gonna go geeky to practical to weird. All right, you ready? Here we go, let's start geeky. What is time? What is time? Well, first of all, time had a beginning. Time had a beginning. This is a philosophical necessity. It is a logical necessity that time had a beginning point. Because if time did not have a beginning, that means an eternity has already passed. That's logically impossible, philosophically impossible. You would have to say an eternal number of events have already happened if time did not have a beginning. So time had an absolute beginning point. And that beginning point is the first phrase in the Bible, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So what the Bible says, first phrase of the Bible, interlaces time with the cosmos. In the beginning, God created. At the moment the cosmos was created is the moment that time was created. Time is a created thing. Even cosmologists and astronomers believe that time itself was formed with the forming of the cosmos. It used to be kind of old science that there were the three dimensions of space, right? You call it length, width, height, if you want. There's the three dimensions of space, and old science said the three dimensions of space were moving along a different continuum of time this unchanging continuum of time. And that time never altered, never got slower, never got faster. Three dimensions of space moving along a different continuum of time. Then Einstein comes along and messes the whole thing up. 
this general theory of relativity, that there's not space moving along a different continuum of time, but Einstein theorized space-time. Space and time, all intermingled, all interdependent. And since he theorized that, it has been proven time and time and time again that space and time are inextricably linked as space-time. And it gets weirder, and I'm gonna get outside of my lane here pretty quick, but that space and time sort of moves along like a river. It's not this stagnant thing, always moving and always um, being impacted and changing, particularly with gravity. Time is not a constant, Einstein theorized, but time itself can change. And this has been proven. An atomic clock was on the planet Earth, an atomic clock went into the sky with an airplane and circled the globe, those two clocks were different, different. The closer you get to a celestial body, the slower time actually goes. Trippy. So you might think a second is a second is a second. It's not. A second is different on Earth and it's different in an airplane. By nanoseconds, but it's different. Now you get close to a black hole, time really slows down, and there's a lot of theories that time might even close to stop as you enter a black hole. Trippy, are you tripped out? Totally tripped out. I love this stuff. Totally geeking out on this stuff. Now, whatever is the nature, the nature of time space, all by the creative hand of God that we're all trying to figure out, right? I'll get it figured out by this afternoon, guaranteed. We're all trying to figure out the nature of space time. How do we actually experience time? We experience time through our senses. And if you're about my age-ish, you were probably raised with five senses, right? There are not five senses. Some say there are seven. Some say there are 11 senses. But the ones we know about are pretty clear. Sight, hearing, touch, smell, taste. Uh, proprioception is uh, my new favorite. This is the human sense of where we are spatially, uh, where our limbs are, how our joints move. So this is how we experience time through primarily motion. Time and motion are completely linked. In fact, now we're gonna get really trippy here and I might not even explain this right. But uh, some people theorize that time basically is motion. It's the, it's the measurement of motion. So when you think about time, where were you 30 minutes ago? That's a time stamp. And it has to do with motion. Well, I wasn't here, I was there. If motion comes to an absolute stop, and I mean everything in the cosmos stops, every vibrating quark stops, is there time? I'd say no, right? So time basically is motion and the measuring of motion. So how we perceive time is really how we live our lives. How we live our lives. It's called the psychology of time. The psychology of time. The psychology of time means that life either goes by fast or slow. It's all up here. How we perceive and relate with time. How we perceive and relate with motion. For some of us, time goes by fast. You've heard of that, right? Time is flying by. As we get older, and I'm putting myself in that category right now, as we get older, our psychology of time moves by more quickly. We perceive that time moves by faster the older we get. And so you get to be around somebody who's old, getting older, they will talk about time flying by. They will say things like, don't blink. What do they mean by that? They mean, they mean that time has just passed by so fast. Now, time can also be perceived as going by torturously slow. Have you ever been in a classroom that you just cannot wait to get out of? 
and you're like sitting in that classroom and you're looking at that clock and back in the old days, there were second hands, most of you guys don't know any of this, second hands that moved uh, through a clock and, um, and you would just look at that second hand and it's just like click, click, click. Some of you are like, have you ever sat through a boring sermon? Like, <laughs> like when in the world is this gonna be over? So here's an interesting question, I think. Do we want time to fly by or go slow? Do we want time to fly by or go slow? I had to think about that for a little bit. Because, you know, time flies when you're having what? Fun. So, hey, if you're busy and active and doing a lot of things, maybe time flies by, but you don't want to blink and it's over, right? You kind of want to slow down a little bit, right? But you don't want life to be this torturously slow drudgery. When is this going to right? I have this incredible just gift for you out of Ecclesiastes 3. I love this passage. God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He's planted eternity in the human hearts. I love this passage because there, there's an eternal God who made us in his image, so there's eternity in our hearts. And eternity in our hearts, I think, means a couple of things. It, it means that we can imagine an eternal God. We can imagine even eternity going forward, that maybe our lives are eternal. Maybe this time that had a beginning point can go on forever, and our lives that had a beginning point can go on forever in the love and the grace of God. So there's eternity in our hearts, but God says, I've made everything beautiful in its own time, meaning there is beauty right here and right now. So while there's eternity in our hearts, look at what's happening right here and right now. Enjoy it and savor it. Don't live in the uh, tomorrow and don't live in the past. Live right now and savor every moment. So I don't think we want life to go by too fast. I definitely think we don't want life to go by just, you know, torturously slow, but there is this sweet spot. Eternity's in our hearts, but look at the beauty of what God has created right here and right now, and enjoy the sweet spot of right now. So here's the practical part. A couple things that we can do. Number one, slow the heck down. Slow the heck down. Uh, psychology has proven time and time again that a busy life is a life that is not enjoyed. There is no enjoying the now if your life is busy. And some of you know what I mean. If your life is just packed with stuff, packed with activity, even as you approach the holidays, it's like, well, from here to here to here to here, and all the logistics and all the moving around, it can just go by, and then, man, you were busy, but did you savor every moment? A busy life flies by, and we don't want that. So slow the heck down. I love Psalm 90:12. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. Realize the brevity of life. We only have so many days on this earth, and certainly we get to enjoy this beautiful gift of eternal life, but for this life, right here and right now, Realize that it is brief and take in every moment. Take in every now. Here's a few things to think about. Take time to chill every day. Some of you are like, well, I don't have time to chill every day. Well, make time to chill every day, right? Wake up five minutes early, grab a cup of coffee, find a chair by yourself and just sit and enjoy the now. Enjoy that chair. Enjoy that coffee. Rest breathe, and think to yourself, I'm a living human being. Have you ever just stopped enough to think, 
I'm an actual living, breathing human being. How weird is that, right? How cool is that? I'm alive. Just stopping for enough time to think I'm a living, breathing human being. How cool is that, right? And then to enjoy being alive and enjoy that next breath that we take in. And then to think, and we can do this through prayer, say, God, thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I've got people in my life my parents, my kids, my spouse, my friends, my coworker, there's people all around me and I'm a part of this wonderful, beautiful network of relationships. How cool is that? Take time to chill every day. Take time to chill every week. This is kind of an old school, Old Testament sort of Sabbath day and we certainly don't have to follow all those rules and nobody even bothers to try, which is fine. But I think the principle is there. Take one day a week to just kind of chill out. And I'm not talking about you know, doing nothing, but just taking a day to not be busy. Take a day to hang out with your family. Take a day to just you know, piddle around the house and just do a little this or that. Just don't have a lot of stuff packed into seven days a week. Take one day a week to just kind of chill. And for some of you, you're thinking, well, that's impossible. And it might be, but just start kind of breaking away some of the schedule to get one day kind of relaxed, all right? You can do this. I've done it. I have been seven days a week, 12 hours a day. I've lived that life all the way up to the year 2000. That was my life. It was my identity. It was my pride. And then I realized life's going by too fast. I'm missing my wife. I am missing my kids. They're growing up without me. This is insane. And I had to say, okay, I'm gonna install these things. It's gonna take some time. I'm gonna chill every day. I'm gonna chill one day a week. Take a little vacation every quarter. Some of you are like, I can't afford it. I'm not talking about money. I'm just talking about taking more than one day, maybe two, maybe three, once a quarter. Put it on the calendar. My wife and I do this quite a bit, and sometimes it's not easy. When are we gonna take two or three days? Like, when are we gonna do it? Sometimes it takes a quarter to schedule something for that quarter, but we can do it. We're gonna take this weekend. We're gonna go away, camp, do something cheap, or just staycation. Nothing goes on the schedule, and we're just staying home. Take a little vacation every quarter, and then take a big vacation every year. Again, it doesn't have to be expensive. Take a, at least a week to kind of reset your entire life, right? Reset your life by taking a week and just to say, okay, I, I am just gonna just release the past, take a, a, a break for a week, like a true break, not a half work, half break, but like a true break, a true vacation. Reset your mind, reset your spirit. Maybe put some goals on the table, right? And, uh, and, and really enjoy the year to come. That is slow the heck down. And then calm the heck down. That should say calm, calm the heck down. That is my fault. I'd like to blame somebody, but I own that. Calm the heck down. Um, we are anxious people. We are anxious people. Studies indicate, and there's some question about this, studies indicate that we are the most anxious we have ever been as a species. And part of that is because the rate of change is going like crazy and we can't keep up with it. Uh, the world is getting smaller, uh, technology, everything's in our hand, and is the brain able to absorb all this information? Is the brain able to absorb this level of change at a pandemic and shutdowns and politics and religion and all the nonsense of the fighting around the world and in our own you know, backyard? And the brain is just having trouble managing it. We are very, very anxious. And so we've got to work to calm the heck down. Matthew 6, 27 says this. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? This is Jesus asking a rhetorical question and the answer is no. 
all of the anxieties that are swirling in our heads cannot add a single moment to our lives. All the anxiety in our head is not helping anything. It's only making it worse. And I know what some of you are thinking. I know all this, but I can't stop it. I know anxiety doesn't do anything good. I know it. I just can't stop it. I know anxiety doesn't you know, help, and I know anxiety doesn't add a single moment to my life. I know it. I just can't stop it, right? Now, for some of us, we may have an anxiety disorder. It could be a medical condition, and you need medical help from your doctor, from your psychiatrist, from therapy, from psychologist. There's a whole wonderful world out there that can help you if your anxiety is, in fact, a medical condition. And thank God for all the help that's available. For others of us, it's not a medical condition. It's just a pattern. Our brain has gotten in a pattern of, uh, of overstimulation, of um, um, just overdoing it, and it's just burning out. We can actually control the speed of our brain. We can actually control our anxieties. We absolutely can. And here's some things to think about. Meditate. Meditate. Don't let that word scare you. It's in the Bible. Meditate. Meditate simply means to focus. And if your brain is very busy with a lot of anxieties and a lot of what ifs and how am I gonna manage and I'm overwhelmed, all of these things that we say when our brains are just over firing, meditation is huge in this, huge. Meditation just means to focus and you can focus just on one thing. Your brain might be anxious with a thousand things but you can force your brain and train your brain to meditate on one thing. I love Psalm 48, nine. Oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love. And the psalmist here is saying, hey, listen, I'm gonna choose to focus on one thought, God's unfailing love. And no matter how busy your brain is, and I have the attention span of 12 seconds, I, I've counted it. <laughs> I can pray with focus for 12 seconds and then I am a scattered mess. So I had, had to train my brain to say, okay, I know the 12 second mark is coming. Feels like eternity. 12 second mark is coming. And I know my brain's gonna go in a thousand different directions. I've gotta force it, and we have the power to do this. Focus our thoughts, meditate on one thing. So for you, it might be God's unfailing love. Such a comforting, meditative truth. As your head is spinning with all the what ifs and all the stuff and all the busyness, God, your love is unfailing. And if I may, um, one of the beautiful things about being a part of a church, particularly like Rancho, is we really do try to focus and meditate on the good stuff, the positive stuff, God's grace, God's love, his forgiveness. He accepts you, he embraces you, he's proud of you, he's for you. There's no condemnation, just the love of God, just the grace of God. And the more we focus on that, the more we meditate on that, the less anxious our brain gets. Second thing, take care of your body. I'm not gonna get luxury, not gonna get preachy, but this is science. Our brain is oftentimes anxious because we don't take care of our body. The body and the mind, again, are inextricably linked. So if we don't take care of our body, our mind gets anxious. Just things like, you know, eat a little better, move a little more, just stuff like that. If you got a bad habit, get involved with a community that's gonna help you get through that bad habit. Wednesday night, celebrate recovery, Rancho Church, right? Get our bodies and our habits kind of squared away just a little bit over time and we will become less anxious. Make more and or better friends. We are wired as social creatures. Now, some of you might say, listen, if I'm around a lot of people, I get more anxious. Okay, then more people's not for you, but better friends are. If 
social anxiety is a part of your thing, then fine. Just make one or two friends that are really good friends that you can share your heart with. You just share your heart with one or two good friends and your anxiety will drop. For those of you who are wired more social creatures, you know, go to big parties and you're all good and your anxiety drops with a lot of people, that's fine, then that's your jam, right? Make more and or better friends. And I would really kind of encourage this for everybody, see a therapist, see a therapist. Um, I know that's kind of, for some of you, a little weird in church. I mean, we just embrace the science of therapy. We just talked about cosmology and we have no problem with that. So, you know, there's a science behind counseling. There's a science behind getting with somebody who's trained to understand or help you understand why you think the way you think, why you feel the way you feel. And for those of us particularly who might struggle with some anxiety, seeing a therapist or at the very least a trusted friend or a mentor will get your anxiety level down. Slow the heck down, calm the heck down, and finally, take in the now. I mean like really, take in the now. If we slow down, we could really embrace the now. If we calm down, we can really embrace the now, and time itself will slow down. Studies indicate, now follow me here, Two people can live the same number of days on this earth. One person is busy and anxious. They live the same number of days. One person is, is calm, less busy and calm. This person experiences life two times longer than this person. Did you hear me? In that sense, time is relative. Time is relative because time is how we perceive it. If you're busy and anxious, time is flying by. If you're less busy and calm, time will slow down and you could experience life twice as long as the person who lives the same number of days. Isn't that kind of cool? But if we're busy and anxious, it's just gonna fly by and we'll miss it all. Here's the trippy part. I told you we were gonna end weird, here it is. We're made in the image of our creator. Our God is a creative God. He creates out of his own will. God has volition, God has will, meaning God makes decisions, and God decided to create. And he created this wonderful, complex reality of space-time and all that's required to make you as a living, breathing human being right here and right now. God is creator, capital C. There's only one God, one creator. But he made us in his image, which means we are also creator. We also have a free will. We also decide to make every now. I mean, let's take in the now right here. This is absolutely amazing to me. Right here is amazing to me because hundreds of you made a decision at some point this weekend to go to church. And if you're online, you count too, just not quite as much. You made a decision because you're, you're creator. You created this moment. Made in the image of God. You created this moment. You had a free will. You could have decided, I'm not going to church today. Fine. But you decided to be here. And you decided to put in some work on a Thanksgiving holiday weekend to go to church. Alarm went off. You got up. You got yourself looking sharp. You guys are dialed in. You got yourself looking good. Some of you brought kids and maybe the kids didn't wanna come and maybe they're like negotiation tactics about getting your kids here and, but they're having a great time next door so they're gonna thank you for it, right? You got here and you made the decision. You created this moment right here and right now. 
So here we are, several hundred friends getting together, connecting with each other, catching up with each other, and in a sense, meditating that God is here and God loves us and God is kind toward us and God has forgiven us and God accepts us and God is proud of us and God is moving us along in this wonderful life. You created the now. By your free will, you created this moment. What a cool moment this is. And every single other moment you will create. Life doesn't just happen to us, we create it. You are creator. You're creating wonderful moments. You're creating beautiful moments. But if you are too busy and if you are too anxious, you won't even notice. But if we get a little less busy and a little more calm using some of these tools from the book of Proverbs and the rest of scripture, we can create very beautiful nows and now and now, and we will have a life that's not going too fast and not going torturously slow, but right in the sweet spot of enjoying the moments. Uh, Perry is gonna come uh, back out here and Perry's gonna close us with a song that is fantastic. It's by Louis Armstrong, uh, What a Wonderful World. And he's gonna, I think, sing this in a little half Louis Armstrong and half Perry O'Neill. Is that right? I love it. Listen to the words of the song, so simple. Noticing the nows, noticing the simple things and taking it all in. I see trees are green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and you, and I think to myself, what a wonderful world. Oh, yeah. I see skies are blue, clouds deep up white, bright blessed day, and the dark sacred night, and I think to myself, God, Rancho Church, what a wonderful world. Colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky. They're also on the faces of the people at Rancho.
central church passing by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do when you and you there it is singing, I love you. I hear babies crying. I watch them grow. They'll learn much more than you and I will ever know. And I think to myself, y'all, what a wonderful world. Can I play? Louis play, okay. Of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky. They're also on the faces of people passing by. I see friends shaking hands, singing, How do you do? Oh, they're really singing. Then I What a wonderful 